You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Open up in your Bibles, if you have them, to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. That's where we'll be this morning. We're in a series uh, on the book of Matthew, walking through this gospel. Uh, And we are in the the part of the book called the Sermon on the Mount, which is chapters 5 through 7, getting towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And today uh, we'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 6. Um, it's always a privilege. My name is Lawson. I'm the student and family minister here at Redeemer. Uh, it's always a privilege to study God's Word together and get to open it uh, with you. And so as we do each week, if you're able, uh, please stand in honor of reading God's Word. And we will uh, read 7, 1 through 6, and then, uh, then jump right in. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Father, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for how revealing it is, um, how how it it cuts to our very bones, um, shows us who we are, shows us who you are. Um, Lord, we need uh, need you to come today. Would you please open our, uh, our minds, open our hearts to understand your word and would you teach us? Um, Lord, would you do what only you can do by speaking to each of our hearts as we need, Lord. For, for those who need encouragement, please encourage them. For those who need rebuke, please rebuke them. For those who need comfort, please comfort them, Lord. Whatever we need, um, all of us, Lord. We have no power to change our hearts. I have no power to change anyone's heart, even my own. Only you can do that. And so we ask you to come, uh, Holy Spirit, and, and open our minds to understand your word. Uh, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. My wife, uh, Caroline, and I like to do premarital counseling, um, and we often tell this story uh, that early in our marriage, uh, I would, uh, it was when I was still in college and I was working valley parking. I, I worked um, valley parking at night, and so I'd often get home really late, you know, long after Caroline went to bed, and I started to notice a pattern of something strange happening, strange to me at least. Um, I would get home, and I would shower, and I would brush my teeth and go to climb into bed, only to find that my side of the bed was still made, right? So, uh, you know, Caroline uh, had made the bed that, that day, which is a good new wife thing to do, right? Uh, and, uh, and then she had carefully undone her side of the made bed and gone to sleep without disturbing my side um, so that, the, you know, the bed was half made. And uh, so, so, you know, night after night, I would pull the pillows off, pull down the covers, get into bed. And the first few times, you know, it didn't bother me. Just a little thing. Um, But over time, it started to get on my nerves that she didn't just pull the decorative pillows off of my side when she pulled them off of her side. Right? Time went on, and I started to to think, like, is she really that lazy? (laughs) Y'all can see where this is going. Um, So one day, I, you know, the last straw, and I, I, I said something. And let's just say my eyes were opened. Um, <laughs> Caroline, far from being lazy, she's not lazy if you know her, um, really values a made bed, 
right? It's, it's, it has cathartic effects on her psyche, right? She, she loves to get into a bed that's already been made, right? And all the wives say, amen, right? Um, and all the husbands are like, what? Uh, this, is, this is how it is. Um, so she had been very, very thoughtfully and carefully getting into bed without disturbing my side so that I could enjoy the bed being made just as she did, right? So what happened? I, I judged Caroline's motives uh, and totally misread them, right? Totally misread them. Uh, but isn't this all of us? Isn't this all of us? We are really quick to judge. And I think this is, uh, this is the default of fallen humanity, is that we, are, we're, we judge others. Um, and, and I think it's so default that we, we often don't even realize it's happening. We don't even realize that kind of the inner monologue that's going on in our heads. Um, but Jesus says, do not judge. Right? Do not judge. So we're going to see four questions. We're going to ask four questions as we uh, to kind of organize our time this morning. Uh, the first is, what is judging? You've got to define it. The second is, why do we judge? Why, why are we prone to this? Third, what is the beam in our eye? Jesus talks says there's a beam in your eye. What is that? It's third. And then fourth is, how do we help others without judging them? Okay, so uh, what is judging? Why do we judge? What is the beam? And how do we help our brothers? And sisters without judging them. So first, what is judging? What is judging? Um, this is a really commonly misinterpreted, misunderstood verse. Uh, you know, our culture really loves this verse, loves to pull it out of context. Because uh, many take this to mean, you know, you can't judge me. Like Jesus said that. Uh, they take it to mean Jesus forbids us to disapprove of or anyone's behavior in any way. Right? We have to accept everything and everyone. And it's just, this is not what the verse means, right? It's just, it can't be what it means because if Jesus, if it is, means you can't disapprove of anyone's behavior in any way, uh, then Jesus is disobeying his own command by judging judgmental people, right? And all throughout the sermon, he said, do this, don't do this, this is good, this is bad. So he's not condemning, um, he's not forbidding us from being discerning from discernment from discernment look at looking at sin going that's sin looking at righteousness going that's good right he's not he's not saying we can't do that um uh, the the the, uh so but what does it mean so if it doesn't mean discernment if he's not forbidding that what does it mean well i think the word judgment here um can be best understood to mean condemnation okay condemnation so i think jesus is saying don't condemn others don't write people off don't act like you decide or know the fate of any other person. It means, I think, don't act even in your mind as if you are the judge and jury of a person or a person's actions or motives. Um, it means we need to let go of our critical spirit, of our blaming of others, our, our criticism. Um, the Bible is clear here, but also all over the scriptures, that, that there's one judge, there's one lawgiver, and that's God. Uh, and, and so there's no place for humans to pass judgment on one another. Okay? Um, look at verse 1 again. Don't, do not judge so that you won't be judged. Um, we have to understand this in the context of the sermon, of, of the, the sermon that we've been, been studying from Jesus. Jesus has already said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. He said, Forgive so that you'll be forgiven. If you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. And now he says, Don't judge so that you won't be judged. All right, so I, I think we have to say up front, this isn't a salvation by works thing. It's not a, that you can get out of judgment if you just don't judge others, right? He's not saying you earn that. 
in any way. Um, what what he's, he's pointing out is the fact, he's explaining the fact that God's mercy and forgiveness and grace cannot enter a person's heart and leave them unchanged. Okay, and, and especially leave them unchanged toward others. Right? We can't love God and not love others. This is, this is not possible. Um, God's grace transforms our judgmental hearts into loving hearts. All right now, uh, look, at, look at verse 2. You will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. You will be measured by the same measure you use. Um, I think there's, he's talking about what, what standards we use. How do we judge other people? You know, what, what standards do we use to judge them? And I think there's, there's two main standards that we use to judge others, to kind of judge their actions. First is we can use God's law. Right, we can use God's law to judge others. This is what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 2. Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same things. Okay, so if we judge others by God's law, by his word, um, we are, we're self-condemned because, as, as Paul says here, we do the same things. We do the same things. We, we break the very law that we condemn others for breaking. So if we want to judge and criticize and condemn others using God's law, you know, we're free to do that. But by that action, we're saying, I want everyone to be judged by God's law. And if they, are, if they break it, to be condemned. And what does that say about us who also break the law? We're condemned, right? You can do that, but it's not smart. Um, because you'll, you are judged by the same measure that you use. Okay, the second standard that we can judge others by is is by our own preferences, by our own opinions, by our own, uh, our own beliefs that are on top of God's word. Now, the Pharisees did this, right? Setting up laws of their own, man-made laws, instead of submitting to the law of God. Um, James 4, 11 says, Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver and judge who's able to save and destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? You see what he said there? He said, if you judge a believer, you judge the law. What does that mean? Um, I I think it means that if we judge others by our own law, um, not only are we wrongly assuming the role of judge, we're saying, I'm going to put myself in the place of God and judge someone else, condemn someone else. Um, But we are essentially saying, God's law itself isn't sufficient, right? God, you didn't go far enough in de- defining what right and wrong was here, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a little further and make it a little more specific and then hold people to that law. So rather than submitting to, to the law, to God's law, we judge God's law itself as inadequate, which is a really brash thing to do, right? It's a really prideful thing to do to say, God, you didn't say enough. You didn't, you, your law is not sufficient because it is sufficient. Okay. But either way, either way, so whether you judge people by God's law or whether you judge people by your own opinions or standards um, separate from God's law, um, we set ourselves up as in God's place as a judge. And, and so we set ourselves up for God's judgment because we'll be judged by those same standards. Right? But this isn't how Christians should act. Right? It's not, we don't have to. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Um, and Jesus says that Christians shouldn't judge at all. Okay? We always need to apply the word to our own hearts, right? That this is the point uh, where it's so easy to be like, man, I wish my aunt so-and-so were here because she's so judgmental, right? Uh, <laughs> and that's easy to think, but, but no, no, we got to go, okay, me. Like, how do I apply this to my heart? Um, this command means that we must not be judgmental people. 
We must not be judgmental people. So let me speak to us, mostly conservative evangelical Christians. We aren't known for our openness and our generosity of spirit. We aren't known, rightly or wrongly, you know, we aren't known for our kindness and compassion. But for what? Being judgmental. (laughs) Right? That's what people think about us. Being judgmental. We aren't known, even among ourselves, to leave the world and the culture outside for a minute, we aren't known even among ourselves for our peace and our patience and our kindness and our gentleness. If you come from another church that, that is conservative and evangelical, I don't assume that your experience there was one where you were graciously welcomed and loved. I wish I could. And, and even now, your neck may be, you know, the back of your neck may be tingling a little bit with a twinge of fear that I'm going to teach some liberal doctrine of unconditional acceptance of all sinful behaviors or something, and I'm not. Um, but I do plan to preach this verse. Uh, and... and And doesn't that feeling itself say something about our judgmental spirit? Like, what's our default? Like, watch out. So if we want to obey, if we want to obey this command, what does it mean? Uh, If we want to obey this command not to judge, we need to understand why. Why do we judge others? Um, Why is it so hard for us not to? Um, I think there's, there's two, there's a, probably a million, um, but I think there's two big reasons why we judge, an internal one and an external one. Um, so internally, the, the, this first way, I think it's when we look at someone and we judge him or her, uh, and we probably don't even say anything. We just notice something or hear something and we just make a judgment. Uh, and usually I find that when this happens, I assume a, a, a bad motive, like I did with my wife and, and the decorative pillows. Um, so someone does something and I think, uh, you know, they did this or they said this or they looked this way or they didn't act correctly because... They are a lazy or an evil or an inept person. You see, I'm making, a, I'm, I'm making a judgment about who they are and condemning them for it. So I assume malicious intent of them. Have you ever wondered why that's our default? Like why we just do that? I think, I think I, like just in studying this, my eyes have been opened to my own heart and like how this just saturates my thinking and, and I think our thinking of, uh, about other people. And I don't think it's complex of why we do this. I think, I think we do this in order to feel better about ourselves. Right? There's, there's a deep insecurity we have, a need to prove even to ourselves that we are good and moral and right and put together and we're okay. You know, we, we have that in us. So we judge other people in our minds, which puts us on the high ground above them, on the moral high ground, right? We feel a little better about ourselves. And, and I just can't express how subtle this can be. Like, you know, I can be in the parking lot and see a, a dad with a child and his child's throwing a tantrum. And, and I don't say like, I don't say out loud or in my head like, man, you know, he's a bad dad. I wouldn't let my child do that, right? I might just say like, oh, poor guy. Like, that stinks. You know, I feel sorry for him. But then, then deep down, I just feel a little bit of pride that my child's not, not throwing a tantrum. If they happen to not be throwing a tantrum at that moment, right? <laughs> Right? What is that? Like, what is that impulse? Now, I'm judging him to feel better about myself. Right? I don't know that situation. I don't know what's going on, right? Uh, but but I, I do it. And, and you know, the, the silly thing about this is we just, we don't, like, why? We don't have to. 
Like, our, like that song, My Worth Is Not What I Own. We, two wonders here that I confess my worth and my unworthiness, right? Jesus has proven my sinfulness at the cross, my unworthiness. I know I'm unworthy. I, I can't prove that I'm not. Um, and, but also my worth, that Jesus died for me. He loved me enough to die for me. And if the creator of the world loves me that much and, and I'm seated in the heavenly places with him, like it's fixed, it's finished. And I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to try to feel bad. I, I, I can just rest in him. I don't need to condemn others. So silly. So that's the internal reason, I think, one of the main ones. The second um, and kind of the external reason why we judge is when we express our judgment, our criticism, our disapproval, I think we're most often trying to help another person. That's how we put it. Like, I want to help another person. And we're wanting for them to change, right? We're wanting to change their life in some way. We think, you know, their life would be better if they obeyed God, right? If they conformed to God's law, so I'll, I'll help them by letting them know, you know, verbally or non-verbally, aggressively or passive-aggressively. Maybe it's just like a, you know, a, a look or a tone of voice. But they know, I do not approve of their choice. Right? I do not approve of your choices. Which, by the way, just side note, that always works, doesn't it? Like, when you need advice, don't you call the most judgmental people, person in your family? Like, man, I just want to call it. She, she's so judgmental. I'm going to see what she thinks about this. No, right? You don't do it. Like, this doesn't even work, but we do it. Um, and, and this brings up, I think, that the danger of judging is perhaps the, the, the worst. Like, it's maybe the most dangerous for those of us who think we have wisdom and insight, who, who we're, we're competent and put together and mature, who think we have something to offer. Like, we can help. I can help someone. If they just knew this. Their life would be so much better. And, and, and so it's a, it can be wrapped in this good motive, right? But we're, we're still um, doing what Jesus says not to and condemning someone. And so ultimately, I think we want to impose our will on others by what we disapprove of. And so we judge, we condemn, we criticize. What is the, what is the beam? Um, what is the beam in our eye? Uh, Jesus, in the text, he, he mocks us next, which is always fun. Um, you know, he says, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? So Jesus was, as you know, was trained as a carpenter, so he knew about splinters and uh, beams of wood. Plus he created them, so, you know. Uh, But he's setting up a hypothetical situation where one guy has a splinter, you know, in some translations say a speck or a piece of sawdust uh, in his eye, and you're in the wood shop as well. You're making a table or a bench or something. And there's a beam of wood in your own eye. And this word beam, it would be like the principal beam of a floor beam or roof beam of a house. So it's not just like a big stick. It's like a telephone pole, you know, out of your eye. So it's intentionally ridiculous. He's setting this up, right? And, uh, and so you, you've got the beam in your eye. The other guy has a little splinter. And you say, hey, hey brother, I've, I've noticed something that's concerning in your life. It's concerning. I don't know if you've seen it, but just as a way to love you, I wanted to point this out to you. You have a splinter in your eye. And Jesus goes on, or, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. So it's like Three Stooges style. You're like, hey, let me, let me, hold on, hold still. Let me help you. I can get that out, right? I mean, we, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And he's mocking us to show us how ridiculous we are. And, and he, he goes on, hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Okay, so here it is. It's not that the splinter's not a problem, right? Have you ever had a piece of sawdust in your eye? It's awful. 
it's a problem, right? Definitely a problem. And it's not that we can't ever help our brothers or sisters discern sin in their life and kill sin in their life. Of course we can. We should, right? He says, you need to take the beam out so you can help. Um, so what's his point then? What's his point? Um, what I always thought this meant was that anyone who doesn't first examine themselves for the same sin before going to a brother or sister is a beam in the eye hypocrite, right? That's what I always thought this meant. So like, if you see someone who gets angry, you know, make sure that you're not like in a blind rage yelling at your family before you go confront him about his sin, right? And, and, and that's, this is true. Like, that's a true thing. That, that, that's right. Uh, you, you know, you don't have much credibility or, and you just aren't likely to be very helpful to someone if you struggle more severely with the same thing that they struggle with, right? But the more I studied and thought about it, the, the less this interpretation stood up. Like, I'm just not sure this is what Jesus means um, when, he, when he says this. For, for one, you have the relative sizes of the, the beam and the splinter. So, you know, like, does the person who notices the sin in a brother always have a larger version of the same sin? That's a little strange, you know? Um, and, and how can Jesus be sure you have a beam in your eye if you're judging another person's splinter? You know, like, what if someone commits adultery but I struggle with lust in my mind, is it like I'm free to help him because obviously he's got the beam and I've got the splinter, right? That doesn't really make sense. Um, Maybe it's a relative size thing, like, you know, the sin, just because it's closer, it's in your eye, it looks bigger to you and, and, you know, then your brother's sin that's further away. But if if that's true, then why didn't Jesus just say, you can't get a splinter out of your brother's eye if you got a splinter in your own eye, which is true as well, right? It's hard to do anything with a splinter in your eye. so, I, you know, this, it just didn't hold up. And Dallas Willard was really helpful here. And I think what it means, so I, I, here's what I, I came to. I think what Jesus is saying is that the judging and the condemning itself is the beam. Okay? That's how he knows you have a beam in your eye if you're judging your brother. Because you're judging. You're judgmental. You're, you're condemning them. So you have a beam in your eye. So I think he's saying if you have a judgmental spirit, You've got a beam in your eye and have no business trying to help other people. Okay, Dallas Willard said this, Condemnation blinds us to the reality of the other person. We cannot see clearly how to assist our brother because we cannot see our brother. Judging them dehumanizes them. We can't see them truly. And we will never know how to truly help him until we have grown into the kind of person who does not condemn I think this is absolutely life-altering. <laughs> like, I did not expect this passage to be life-altering. I know I should, uh, going into every passage, but this is amazing to me. We are not to try to change others by being critical or judgmental of them, ever. That's not the way of Jesus. That's not the way of the kingdom. Okay? Well, okay, then how do we help people? How do we help others without judging them? Well, First, it's just, I mean, we've already said it, but it's not by being judgmental. Like, we can't help people by being judgmental of them, um, as we've seen. Um, and, and, but secondly, it's not, by, it's not by being pushy either. Okay, and this, is, this was the other surprise for me of this text. This is 7.6. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Um, so this is another verse. It's often taken out of context. It doesn't seem to fit initially in the context, so people just pull it out and kind of treat it like a proverb. You know, like it will just, uh, it's kind of a standalone mess, you know, a standalone message. Uh, and it's, it is very hard to interpret, so 
give everyone, like we'll be gracious in the, in the sermon on not judging. Uh, but but what, what it's most often taken to mean, I think, is there are some people who aren't worthy of your help. Like your pearls, if, if that's pearls of wisdom, they're not worthy of your good advice, your wisdom, um, or even what is holy to dogs. Like they're not worthy of the gospel. Like, you know, there's some people who just, they won't accept it. So you shouldn't worry about, you know, trying to put it before them. And I just, I can't get on board with that just because it seems so contradictory to Jesus, like, purpose in his life, right? Like, wouldn't uh, the Son of God becoming a man be like the ultimate pearls before pigs situation, <laughs> right? It's just like, he, he, he just didn't embody this ethic of like, just try to decide who's worthy and who's not. What, what, what can it mean, though? Okay, what does it mean in, in the context? Well, another way that we, we try to change people is by pushing good things on them. Okay? So our wisdom, our advice, our opinions, and even what is holy, our faith, even. But just as we aren't to try to change people by being judgmental of them, we are also aren't, trying, aren't to try to change people by being pushy, even with the best things, even with our good things. Why? Because they aren't helpful. to the, I think that's the pearls before pigs, the, the, the holy things before dogs. It's like those things are not helpful. To, like pearls can't, the, pigs can't digest pearls, right? Dogs can't read Bibles. It's not helpful um, to them. So I don't think Jesus is saying we should evaluate who to help or not to help. I think he's saying we are not to try to manipulate people at all, right? Either by judging them or by pushing good things on them. It's unhelpful. It's not, it just doesn't work. It's unhelpful. And it's, and it's even dangerous. Like that's the whole they'll turn and devour you, right? Haven't you seen children whose parents push religion down their throats, leave the house, turn and devour their parents? Right? It, it, not only was it not helpful, it was harmful. Like it pushed them away. It actually made things worse. So instead of condemning or pushing, the way to help others is to love, right? The way to help others is to love. It, it is the only way. It's the way of Jesus, okay? Now, practical things, okay? Two practical things. How, how can we love others? Here's the first one and maybe the best one. Graciously assume the best of other people. Graciously assume the best. Um, if there's a question, like give people the benefit of the doubt, you know, if, if there's a question of whether a brother or sister has sinned or not, assume that they haven't until you know absolutely, absolutely for sure that, that they did. If their motives aren't clear, assume the best motive you can imagine, right? Assume, assume that the best thing, uh, the, be, the best motive that you can think of for them, like Jesus, even being hung on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. So he even loved those who were executing him to the end, by, by giving, assigning them the best motive he could possibly think of, right? Yes, they just executed the Holy Son of God, right? Is there anything worse? I don't think so. But Jesus says they, didn't, they, don't, they don't have the whole picture. They don't really understand what's going on. They don't know what they're doing. So assume the best of others. This, this is what it means to love others. It's one of the things that it means. Like love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. What does that mean if it doesn't mean assume the best? Be gracious. 
The second practical thing is, is aim for restoration. Aim for restoration in every case. Um, this is Galatians 6 where it says, if, you're, if a brother is caught in a sin, um, you who are spiritual should restore him. You remember that? Um, that it's such a great verse because it, sa- it says, uh, first of all, it says not just everyone should, if someone's caught in a sin, not just everyone should help him, but you who are spiritual, right? I think that means you who are mature, who have removed the, the beam of judgmental. You're not judgmental. You're not condemning. You've removed that out of your eye. You can help, right? And, and it says, you who are spiritual should restore. So the aim, the goal of, uh, is restoration. It's not um, to hammer, you're not there to hammer someone on their sin, right? Rather, we're there to humbly and carefully restore them to right relationship with God and with others, right? It's, it's not God's wrath that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness, God's kindness that leads us to it. It's God's kindness that restores us and our kindness to others should also restore them. And the way that I know these two things are, are true, graciously assume the best, aim for restoration in every case, is because in 712, if you go down, um, Jesus sums up like this little section, uh, this section and the next. In verse 12, therefore, he's looking back, therefore whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. So I know that, that these two things, that we should assume the best of others and we should aim for restoration, I know those are true because that's what you want people to do for you. Right? If someone hears about something you do, don't you want them to assume the best? Right? If they're not sure if your motives were, were, were malicious or good, don't you want them to assume they're good? Yeah, I do. Please, right? Uh, and, and, and when someone comes to you and, try, and does have an issue and needs to talk about something, don't you want them to be aiming for restoration? Don't you want them to come with kindness and humility and gentleness and not with, you know, brashness and, and calling you out? Absolutely. I'll take that every day, right, over, over the other. Um, this, this is what it means. This is the law and the prophet. This is love. Tr- treat your spouse, your neighbor, your children, the people in your community group as you want them to treat you. Maybe, um, maybe we can't imagine life without judging, but I beg you for Jesus' sake to try. It, it, like, it's been challenging. It's so, I think we might have, I think we might have a more like mental space to do other things if we don't judge people. I think they would just free up a lot of our mental space, honestly. Um, but because it's because we just, it's so prevalent, I think, in our thinking and our, our lives. Uh, but ultimately, Jesus, he offers freedom. And I hope that's what, what it feels like to you is a breath of fresh air because that, that's what it is. You can, you can release control of every other person, right? You are no one's creator and judge. They have a creator and judge. He's perfect. He's doing a great job, right? And not, he, nothing escapes his, his notice. Like you can trust him and you don't have to control or manipulate anyone. You don't have the power to change them even if you wanted to. And all of your efforts, like all of our efforts at, at judging, condemning, or being pushy with people, they just slow things down and mess things up anyway. And, and listen, here's the positive side. So we, we've said a lot about don't judge, do not judge, right? That's a negative command, so that's what we're talking about. But the positive side of that, the, like, the, the thing that frees us up to, um, is you can enjoy people. You can enjoy people. Um, that I don't have to judge means I'm liberated to freely enjoy each other person, right? Christian or non-Christian, by the way, anyone, um, as an incredible person made in the image and likeness of God. 
Right? Instead of criticism being my default, enjoyment can be my default. And, and how, how good is Jesus? Like Jesus' command to us, like never judge anyone. Instead, just enjoy people. Like, oh, his commands are so burdensome, right? <laughs> no, that's like freedom, man. This is the way to live. Like we should live. The kingdom of God is the best way to live. Um, it's best to live in the way that Jesus commands. Imagine a family like this where there's no judgment, where parents don't assume bad motives of their kids or kids of parents, where there isn't any kind of a default critical spirit, criticism. It's not like people aren't on guard, like, like who's going to see, who's going to judge me, who's going like, to criticize me here. Where, where the default spirit of, our, of your family is, is enjoyment. We just love each other. We love being together. Where sin is dealt with as gently and quietly as possible. Yes, it's dealt with. But as gently and quietly, we're restoring people all over the place. Where parents and children alike flourish in an atmosphere of love, kindness, gentleness, grace. That's heavenly. (laughs) I want that. Imagine a church like this. Let, let's be a church like this. Let's be a place where people don't fear to, to confess sin or ask for help because we're just overflowing with the grace of Christ. Like they couldn't imagine us ever condemning them for anything. Let's be a, be a church where people visit and they think, man, they were so kind. Like that was weird. Let's be a church where people disagree with us theologically or philosophically, but they can't bring themselves to leave because they like us so much and they just feel so welcomed and enjoyed while they're here. And we can be. We can be a church like this because we're not under the law anymore, but we're under grace. We're under grace. Romans 8.1, there is therefore... Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The so brother or sister, Jesus Christ has died. He's come. He's died. He has risen from the dead. He is alive now, and he's here with us, and he sees you, and he knows you, and he hears you, and he does not condemn you. There's no condemnation for you. He took it all. Is that good news? <laughs> it is, right? He does not condemn us. And so there's no place for condemnation in the kingdom of God. If Jesus took my condemnation and will not condemn me, then who am I to ever condemn someone else? So by his power, the next time you go to climb into a half-made bed, just assume that your spouse is loving you and praise God and go to sleep. Let's pray. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.